0: Welcome to episode 33 of Tech Swamp. We have our host and friendly membership team here today. Hey, Brad. Hello there. Well, hello, Caitlin. What's up? Just membership chillin'. Just chillin'. And of course, myself, Alex. This month, we're talking Privacy. We'll be joined by some of our members who are participating in AppCon 20's Privacy Week for some small business perspectives when it comes to privacy and encryption legislation. Speaking of small businesses, this week also happens to be Small Business Week, and what better way to celebrate than by amplifying the voices of our members? But before we get into that, we're going to hit tech history and run through some DC headlines. September 22nd, 1986, 34 years ago this month, computer code became protected by copyright. The U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California ruled that computer code is protected under copyright law. The ruling stems from the case NEC Core versus Intel Core, which was basically a battle over who had the right to produce x86 processors. The ruling, while finding that Intel had copyright protection for the code in their processors, also found that reverse engineering code was also legal and therefore NEC did not violate Intel's copyright in producing their own x86 processors. This ruling, that code could be copyrighted, changed the landscape for software and computer development. And that's all for tech history. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in DC. Caitlin and Brad, what are the top tech headlines?
1: Well, TikTok is making headlines again, but this time there seems to be a kind of clearer path forward. So last Friday, the U.S. Commerce Department announced a prohibition on transactions for TikTok and WeChat, citing security as the concern. Just one day later, TikTok, Oracle and Walmart confirmed a deal and President Trump did approve. Now, there are still some murky details like whether or not TikTok will be heading up President Trump's $5 billion education fund and who will have what percentage of ownership of the app. But we'll be sure to keep you posted in future episodes of TechSmall.
2: Depending on when you're listening to this, we're about 40 days away from Election Day, and you know what that means. We're here for another election update. Per usual, we're checking back in with the polls. The most recent national polls show former VP Biden leading President Trump anywhere from six to nine points. Now on to debates. There will be three presidential debates and one vice presidential debate. The first debate between President Trump and former VP Biden will take place on September 29th in Cleveland, Ohio. You can watch on every major network and cable news channel, including ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, CNN, Fox news, MSNBC and C-SPAN as well as live on YouTube. You can find more info on future debates in the show notes. And of course, We'll keep you posted on the 2020 election in future episodes of Tech
1: Rounding out what's brewing on a somber note, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away last Friday, September 18th, after multiple battles with cancer. Justice Ginsburg began her empowering career as a professor at Columbia, where she became the first woman to be hired with tenure at Columbia University School of Law. Years later, after taking her seat on the Supreme Court of the United States, she continued to be a trailblazer for women and persons all over the world. Known for her close relationship with former Justice Scalia, their close bond taught us all the lessons that something like kindness, fairness, and compassion are more important than votes.
0: And that's all for What's Brewing. As we mentioned earlier, we're chatting with some of the members who are taking part in AppCon20's Privacy Week, where we're talking CCPA, COPPA, and a bunch of other privacy-related acronyms. We're well aware of the fact that legislation aimed at the big guys could actually have very harmful effects on our small business members. But how harmful? We're honoring the spirit of Small Business Week and are joined by several of our members to talk through ways they're impacted by legislation around privacy and encryption and what Congress and additional agencies can do to help. But first up, I'm kicking it to Brad for a chat with Emily Hart of member company Motion Mobs. Brad, take it away.
2: We're kicking off our first member story with Emily Hart of Motion Mobs. Hey Emily, thanks for joining us on TechSwamp.
3: Hey Brad, I'm so excited to be here today.
2: Well, we're excited to have you. So before we talk privacy, Can you give us some quick background or an elevator pitch, if you will, about what Motion Mobs is and what the team does there?
3: I would be happy to. Motion Mobs is a certified woman-owned business based in Birmingham, Alabama, and we do technical consulting and software development services really around making sure that the products that we work on and build have a measurable impact. So when we're working with for profit companies, generally that means that we want to see a revenue impact of some kind for our clients. And when we're working with nonprofits, we're looking for impact such as lives changed, uh, members reached, and really just social changes through those solutions.
2: Fantastic. Thanks for filling us in on that. Uh, So now that we know the kind of work that MotionMobs does, let's just get right into it. Uh, Emily is joining us for APPCON this year, and this week is all about privacy. Yesterday, we discussed things like CCPA, the need for a national privacy standard, COPPA, the Federal Trade Commission's role when it comes to privacy, and a ton of additional state and federal draft bills and legislation. I know, that's a lot. So I want to make sure we're talking about what issues impact motion mobs the most. So with that said, Emily, of all the things we discussed, What activates you and your business the most uh, regarding what we've been talking about?
3: I think what it really comes down to is that while we are software developers, we're also users of technology. And that means that if we wouldn't be comfortable trusting our own data to the solutions that we're building, well, we wouldn't expect our our users to trust it with their data either. And we think that user data privacy is something that uh, a user of any solution should always be guaranteed. Privacy should be the expectation, and revealing of personal information should be a deviation from that expectation. And so, as a result, it's something that we feel really strongly about and take into account with every single solution that we architect and then build. Um, To talk about something that's very, very recent and, I mean, a hot topic right now, so Motion Mobs built the official exposure notification app for the state of Alabama in partnership with the Alabama Department of Public Health and the University of Alabama at Birmingham. One of the things that was core to that particular project was making sure that there was an option on the table where we could allow users to protect their own health and to contribute to protecting the interests of public health during a global pandemic, but also not have to give up their rights to data privacy. And so the solution that Apple and Google partnered up to produce called Google Apple Exposure Notification, or GAIN, was a framework that fit in perfectly with our expectations for what we think all users should be guaranteed when they use an app. And that is protecting their own personally identifiable information and having explicit consent required before any user submits any kind of health information or personal information into the app of any kind. And that's a a principle that we like to apply to every project that we work on, even if we don't have the luxury of being able to rely on an existing framework that we can integrate with via API. Um, So whether we're looking at a proprietary solution for some of our other clients, whether they're for profit or nonprofit, or if we're working on something as innovative and cutting cutting edge, really, as this GAIN uh, technology, we want to make sure that privacy is in the front. And we also look at privacy from the analytics perspective we're very firm believers in you should make data-driven decisions about how to improve your software products, where to expand them, add features, change features, but we don't think that you should do that at the compromise of user data privacy. So that what that means in real-life use is that when you pull data from your app regarding its traffic, its usage, and anything like that, What you should really be looking for is trends. You want to see how groups of people have aligned their actions in your app, and it's really not impactful for an organization to say, well, I want to know what Brad specifically did in the app. That's a violation of the user's data privacy, and then also it simply doesn't help the organization make better decisions about how they should innovate and grow their product. Realistically, it's those anonymized trends that are much more impactful to showing this is how users are responding to a software product, and here's how it needs to grow and improve moving forward. And so as a result, we have built some of our own proprietary um, analytics solutions that allow us to gather some of this data while keeping it completely separate from any personally identifiable information about those particular users because we feel so strongly about it.
2: Wonderful. I think lastly, I'll just ask you a very overarching question, and that would be uh, if government could do anything to help kind of solve the problems around privacy right now, uh, from your perspective, what would you suggest?
3: We're a big fan of having a federal privacy regulation in place. We do realize that we are a small firm. We certainly don't work with the majority of the clients out there who are looking to develop custom software. And a deterioration of privacy standards in other solutions is not good for the industry as a whole. We would rather be able to say we adhere to the same standards that everybody else should. We don't want to necessarily be the ones who are pushing our clients to increase their expectations as to what kind of privacy their users should be guaranteed and we would like to see this be something that is accepted and expected really by all users um, and all clients and really all owners of software products we want software to be something that users can trust and i realize that the media cycle of the past you know year two years three years has definitely degraded the trust that general users have in their technology products and that's something that i do think a federal policy could help correct by making sure that privacy is the standard not the deviation from the standard
2: well that was wonderful thank you so much for that insight and thank you so much for joining us on tech Swamp this week really appreciate it
3: thank you so much it was great to be here
2: next up we have chris adams of southern dna hey chris thanks for joining us on Techswan.
4: hey thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be here
2: of course so before we talk privacy can you just give us a quick background on uh what southern dna is and what you all do over there
4: yeah absolutely so i am a co-founder and ceo of southern dna located in atlanta georgia And our company is a digital marketing agency. And primarily, we're focused on custom software solutions. So we build apps and websites, and we provide technical consulting to help small and medium-sized businesses take kind of what I call pen and paper processes and bring them into the digital space.
2: Great. Thanks, Chris, uh, for laying that groundwork. Now let's get to it. Chris, like Emily from MotionMobs, is joining us for AppCon this year, and this week is all about privacy. As you know, we've been discussing everything from CCPA to COPPA and everything in between. Of all the things we've discussed, what activates you and your business the most regarding what we've been talking about?
4: Yeah, so privacy for us is, is a big issue. And primarily when you think about it from a, a development standpoint, um, without having a national set of standards, it's a, it's a moving target that we're always looking at. And it makes it really difficult from a development standpoint to never have a clear guide in what we're trying to do. You know, we're a small business. We work with a lot of small businesses or small groups within large organizations. If we're working with a marketing team and we're building an app or a site for them, they're really looking to Southern DNA as an extension of their technical arm. And they want to give us a project and have us run with it from soup to nuts and be done with it. And if we don't have a clear guide on where we need to go, it makes it really hard for us to kind of deliver something and then let that client run with it once we're gone. And for us, you know, being a small business is hard. Software development is hard. Getting new business is hard. And Mm -hmm. anything that makes that more complex is really difficult for us in our space. And having a different set of rules to follow based on each state and the idea of that potentially happening is really damning for us and is really a big concern um, because I don't have a single place to look to get answers. I can't tell my client that yes, we're covered and it puts me in a position where I can't necessarily answer questions or I don't feel confident in answering them because I don't want to put myself or my client who might not be an IT client in that position of saying, oh yeah, we absolutely meet standards or we're absolutely covered as far as it comes to privacy and the data that we're collecting and it makes it harder for me to kind of win business and it makes it harder for me as a small business to compete. You know, why is somebody gonna come with me if I can't answer those questions? They're gonna go and and spend a little bit more or a lot more and get somebody who can take care of everything and make sure that it's gonna be covered and make sure that when they walk away that they have assurances that what was built covers all these different standards. And it sounds like when you talk about privacy, it can be construed as we're against it. And that's certainly not the case. I mean, everyone in in development cares about privacy. You're concerned about your data. You're concerned about your customer's data. You're concerned concerned about the user's data. I mean, I'm concerned about my kid's privacy and the data and things that they share. So it's not a matter of not wanting Mm -hmm. to conform to the rules. It's a matter of give me a single set of rules to follow. Give me a North Star, and I will look to that to figure out where I need to go, as opposed to telling me memorize the entire sky. It's, it's a lot harder if I don't have a single point of reference to follow.
2: Yeah. And that's really interesting. I think that you bring to light how much your clients trust you when it comes to, uh, these sorts of issues and how, um, some of the, the larger companies do have more resources to put forward, uh, towards compliance and regulatory, um, issues than a small business like yourself. Um, I guess another broad question I could ask you is, do you think there's any credence to um, the idea that we should be very careful with widespread privacy legislation just because there may be unintended consequences as it relates to small businesses being affected?
4: I mean, I think small businesses need to be taken into consideration for anything that we're doing. A lot of times in tech, when you're making legislation or you're looking at laws, you're thinking about the tech giants and how it's going to impact them. And you lose sight of the small guys. You lose sight of even large organizations that don't have a big IT arm. Um, They don't have the people to kind of support um, the detail and the complexity that comes with some of these regulations. And too often it seems that we're measuring it on what good it might do, and we're not looking at what harm it might do to small businesses or to people who aren't as informed as some of these large organizations are.
2: Absolutely. And that's why we appreciate you so much coming on the podcast to share your perspective so that folks really do understand how uh, this potential legislation can impact small businesses. Um, And I know you've kind of touched on this throughout uh, your discussion, but just to sum it all up, you know, I I think it's important to just kind of ask, what can the government do to help alleviate some of these stresses and strains that small businesses are facing.
4: As it relates to privacy And my primary, my primary ask would be is that make sure that you support a national standard for privacy guidelines and that we don't have individual states taking this on on their own, which then requires small businesses to learn individual states guidelines, support a national standard, have that be our guide, have that be what we look to and me as a technologist and as uh, a small business owner i'll follow those rules just make it easy for me to follow
2: yeah absolutely agree and uh really appreciate you lending your perspective here thank you so much for joining us chris yeah absolutely it's my pleasure Now we're talking with one of our newer members, James Corbett of member company Project Refit. Hey, James, welcome to your first cameo on TechSwamp and thank you for joining us.
5: Um, I'm really happy to be here.
2: Wonderful. Of course. We're happy to have you. So before we jump right into the conversation about privacy, can you just give us a nice quick background on what Project Refit does and what, what your team is like over there?
5: For sure, uh, so the team is made up of serial entrepreneurs, uh, social serial entrepreneurs and um, uh, army veterans. Uh, one is a Sergeant in the Army, the other is was a team leader and um, has 150 combat missions under his belt, uh, blown up twice, Afghanistan, and uh, kind of sparked what we want to build is the what we see as the future of community building for first responders and veterans, uh, which is a hybrid connecting technology and in-person support.
2: Fantastic. And, and how, how do you go about doing that? What are some of the solutions that you provide?
5: Beautiful. So our mission is to combat isolation. And we're doing that by launching, uh, we just launched in August, what's called Project Refit Blue Skies. Uh, we took the process of, to to kind of sum it up quickly. Uh, we took the process of phone calls, like calling your buddy, call, call, call. Um, and it's very hard to even just say that then, um, and it's tiring. Uh, we Mm -hmm. break it down to literally a one tap solution. So Um, You invite your friends into this platform that's built like a social media almost for uh, law enforcement and veterans and active duty military National Guard and reservists only. Um, And they can add fire team members and when they hit that one button, that talk button, they'll get connected to their friends immediately. And if they don't pick up within like a minute, it'll get expanded out to the friends list. And if they don't pick up within a minute, it gets expanded out to the entire blue skies community, which could be hopefully in three years, 1 million users plus. so that's, that's what we built. It's kind of helping the friends groups and helping the community help itself. Uh, and that's the tech side. And we're looking to launch uh, mobile bases, which will act the way I like to describe it is almost like uh, mobile VFWs um, that go to different local events, concerts, um, and sports venues. and uh, Or uh, we're also gonna be showing up to uh, cardboard boxes, houses, and apartments of veterans directly to help them in person to show them you're not alone, you have a whole family here, uh, and we really care about you. So,
2: Well, that's fantastic and definitely sounds like something that that community could really benefit from. Uh, now, we can shift a little bit over to privacy. This is James' first APPCON, and it was really exciting as someone on the membership team to you know, see a new member gets so activated and engaged in this policy issue area during our briefing day at the beginning of the week. I know we covered a lot on briefing ba- day, but I wanted to talk about encryption and backdoors as well as privacy writ large. I know you're passionate about this issue from the way you reacted in briefing day. Can you can you talk a little bit about how the issue of lawful access to data and privacy again writ large is so crucial for you and your business?
5: For sure. So. Uh... Um, What I've recognized that sometimes to be uh, effective, uh, an effective friend and ally is to also protect the person from him or herself. Right. So I think that law enforcement, when it comes to privacy issues, sometimes um, because they're so focused on getting the perp, right, getting the criminal, getting the bad guy, they will do anything to do it. Um, and sometimes that can leave open, uh, you know, pitfalls for the good guys are trying to do a good thing, but just like the one ring in Lord of the Rings, like, Oh, I'm going to wield this power and, you know, use it, uh, for good. It's like, no, man, it can be used for bad as well. And sometimes it's actually going to protect that criminal and make them smarter to hide from you. So, um, by keeping encryption where it is, maybe even protecting encryption laws even more, um, will not only help us because... We, our users really want us to uh, know or want us to protect their conversations because they want to know that they're having conversations between their friends that really matter. Um, because sometimes by making things easier to catch someone, eventually you're going to make it easier for that person to hide from you.
2: Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think it all goes back to privacy in the end as well. As I can imagine, a lot of the uh, folks who utilize your services um, w- would really dislike their personal information being uh, extracted, <laughs> so to speak. So, so I mean, as yeah. soon as there's a back door, there's obviously the opportunity for someone uh, who is not a good guy to utilize that back door. That uh,
5: um,
2: is that is that an accurate reading of your um, situation and your users?
5: Uh a hundred percent, right? Because I wanna make sure that our guys, um I, I, I use this word sparingly, but it's a but it's a great word. Um or the phrase I should say. It's I want them to know it's a safe space, right? And it's already hard enough for these guys to trust people because they've been so jaded by what they've seen. I want them to know that when they're coming into this application that, that they're talking to their friends on a real level um, on what's actually happening to them and like what they're going through with other people that understand them. I want them to feel safe in opening up because again, they already see so much and have so much distrust with others. I want them to know that Project ReFit is doing everything they possibly can to give them the chance to have these conversations privately. and. and and also in a place where they know that it can be trusted with their conversation and their words.
2: Absolutely, and that's why privacy is just so unbelievably important, and that's why Congress is continuing to work on their legislation to address some of the privacy issues. First, um, Thank you so much for uh, joining us today on TechSwamp. Uh, it was great to have you, and we can't wait to uh, have you back and continue AppCon.
5: Beautiful. Yeah, I love AppCon. You guys are killing it. Thank you. All right. See ya.
2: Finally, we're ending this episode of Tech Swamp here with Rob Coons of member company Walker Tracker. Hey, Rob. Thanks for joining us on Tech Swamp this month.
6: I'm glad to be with you, Brad. Great to hear from you.
2: Well, we're glad to have you here with us. So before we get into privacy, can you just give us some quick background on Walker Tracker, what it is, what the team does there, where you guys are located, all the whole shebang, if you will?
6: Absolutely. Uh, Walker Tracker is a 14-year-old startup uh, based out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, I say 14-year-old startup because we've been around and are one of the first ever step challenge and wellness tracking platforms, uh, but we've been growing and behaving um with the mentality of a startup for just a few years. So it's a really exciting place to be in. And what we do is we aggregate health information that's collected on users' mobile devices and display it in a fun, engaging way, like virtual maps. So as you're taking steps, you watch an avatar progress along a virtual map, and you can compare your progress uh, with your competitors, colleagues, and other people that are in the challenge with you. Um, I serve as the chief revenue officer for Walker Tracker. So that means I oversee most elements of engagement uh, from a customer from starting with communicating with us as a lead, um, becoming a customer, and then making sure they're satisfied as a customer.
2: Well, that's fantastic, and it sounds like a great way to get people active and moving around, which is never a bad thing from my perspective anyways. Uh, So thank you for that background there. Now let's dive into privacy. Rob's also joining us for AppCon this year and is ready to talk privacy. We've covered quite a bit, uh, but of all the things that we've discussed, what activates you and your business the most regarding uh, the privacy conversations that are happening in Washington?
6: Yeah, this week in particular is one of the more important ones for the areas that Walker Tracker services, um, primarily because our app collects and aggregates uh, health data. So we have people's step and location data and things like that, um, and then we display it in an interesting, engaging way. Uh, but we, because of that, it ends up with us having a user base um, globally. So as a small team based out of Oregon, I'm out of Indianapolis. I should have mentioned that earlier. Um, but with that small team, we end up having users that touch on all sorts of uh, privacy compliance and uh, regulations that we have to comply with. And uh, our leadership team manages all of that. So uh, I would say managing health data, uh, making sure that our data is safe and we don't have to put security backdoors in, uh, making sure that we can stay on the right side of all parts of federal and state. Uh, privacy regulations is huge, and then making sure that our leadership team isn't bogged down with myriad um, compliance standards that we have to keep up with is really, really key for us.
2: Absolutely. I, I hear you mentioned uh, back doors, and I just wanted to touch on that briefly. From your perspective, what do you see some of the dangers of uh, mandating a back door to open encrypted devices?
6: Well, first of all, no matter what type of data you're managing, when you require mandatory security flaws in every single piece of software and hardware that's out there, um, this isn't just one key that only federal you know, law investigators or anybody like that has access to. Um, this is a bounty on every single company that exists. So whether you're a major manufacturer like Apple with tons of resources to monitor security, or you're a small company with just a few people developing code in a garage, mandatory backdoors put everybody at risk. Uh, Not everybody has the ability to monitor these things, and it also, by creating that bounty, by creating a guarantee to every bad actor and hacker out there, they create a a pot of gold that everybody's going after. Um, the, The rate of attacks will go way up, and it just, People will go after hardware and software knowing that there is a way in. And it's really just their persistence that prevents them from getting to it.
2: Very interesting. And that that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, Just to circle, uh, go full circle here and just to ask a rather broad question. um, If Congress is able to do anything regarding privacy legislation moving forward, a, a national law, as they have been discussing, What sort of things do you think would be most valuable for a small business like yours to be included or excluded?
6: Well, I would say the two things to include are, frankly, we want to protect users' privacy as much as users want their privacy protected. Um, So I think as long as it's strong and it protects users across the board, I'm happy with that. I think we've done a great job with pre-existing ones, uh, the things they're doing in Europe, things they're doing on the West Coast. But the main thing we need as a business is certainty. Um, Right now, you know, as a small team, we actually have a lot of our technical leadership that is dedicated uh, towards compliance audits, uh, certificates, regulatory agencies, things like that. And every single time there's an update, we have to apply significant resources to complying with these things. Again, major companies, they can probably dedicate a large legal team and tech team to making sure these things are covered. But for us, every single time that a new state or a new uh, region comes out with a a privacy standard that has a slight variation from what we've already complied with, that's actual features that we're taking away from users. That's actual real tech resources that we're dedicating towards yet another compliance versus building something great that people love. So the main thing we're looking for is making sure that we get certainty with some sort of federal um, standard that we can comply with and know that we are taken care of and safe um, in the United States or, you know, any other country that adopts our that adopts our same standard. So, um, you know, for, we want privacy and we want uh, a certainty with how we operate.
2: Well, that's fantastic. And thank you so much for your insight, Rob. I think the listeners are really going to enjoy hearing from you.
0: And now it's time for our random identifier. Brad, what do you have for us?
2: All right, we're gonna continue my quest to uh, come up with new bands that I can talk about <laughs> on the podcast. Yes. And this week has, uh, an, or this month I should say, has a rather entertaining band name as well. It's called The Nude Party.
6: Ooh.
2: And they're, uh, they're a phenomenal band with a new album coming out in October. Um, they're kind of Doors-esque, really old-school with a lot of kind of organ happening and a lot of guitars. It's great, great music. Good vibes.
0: I like that. How did you discover this band? Uh,
2: you know, just endlessly clicking around related artists. Naturally. I kind of I know my wheelhouse of rock and roll, so right. <laughs> it's just click around and see, see what sticks, I suppose.
0: I like that. I like that. Um, Caitlin, what's, what's going on in your world? Um well
1: the seasons have changed and it is now fall and I am really just focused on enjoying the season. Um I'm really excited about the colder mornings that we're having that we're having that we're having <laughs> and I um I've been really excited to make the transition because I'm a very like seasonal person mm-hmm. so I have been able to make the transition from iced coffee in the morning to hot coffee.
0: That's, um, that's a big transition.
1: It is a big transition. I was ready. Um, I definitely was excited to, to start drinking warmer beverages and having colder air. Um, so I'm just expressing gratitude for that and um, also more candles, more pumpkins, all of the things that, people call basic, but is just things that a lot of people like, um, yeah. I'm very excited about.
0: Yeah. I like, I like that it's time to like, uh, I like that it's a time where we're normalizing coziness. I feel like yes. that's really important Ooh, yeah. to me personally. <laughs> um, like a nice
1: snuggie. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I just have to say like re- rejecting the term basic or maybe even yes. reclaiming the word basic. Because I agree. Basic just means a lot of people like it. So a lot of people like the NFL. Like, you don't hear me calling every man basic. You just, you know?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, And I've never really understood the concept of basic. I've always been really bad at, like, understanding it. So I feel... Because, like, as an example, I like pumpkin spice lattes. But I don't think anyone would describe me as a basic person. So... But
1: I think basic is problematic because it's gatekeeping
0: things I like agree. oh
1: what's cool and edgy like yeah stop using that word
0: right who cares who cares what you like i'm glad you like what you like right if it makes you happy and
1: it doesn't hurt other people then you should do it
0: exactly this actually dovetails very nicely into what my random identifier is because i know uh i say this a lot but i really really just like think that the concept of guilty pleasures is like silly because like if it makes you happy then like you shouldn't be guilty about it right um and so in that spirit i'm going to talk about another show that i've been watching on netflix by been watching i mean i literally watched it in one night um, even though it was a whole show. And it's not for my age range. Um, but I don't care because it's called Julian and the Phantoms. So spooky season. Um, they're a ghost. They're a boy band from the 90s. They're not a boy band. They're like a rock band or something. I think they're supposed to be Weezer-esque. Anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. And then they... Anyway. I won't spoil the show, I guess. But it's really delightful. It was like something that I didn't anticipate was going to be like great. But I needed something sort of like cutesy to watch like that was the mindset i was in and then it was so good like they there are songs but it's not like people just like randomly break into song it's like there's a reason that there's music which is that they're a band and they're playing shows and there's music during those shows shows
1: that is cool. Yeah. That's, so it's not like High School Musical. That's like we're walking in the cafeteria and jazz hands.
0: Right. Um. <laughs> although it is, uh, like the show was created by Kenny Ortega, who is the guy who created High School Musical. Um. Well, but it do, It's like, in my opinion, I like like it a lot more than. Well, I've never actually seen High School Musical, but what I've seen, I have High and I Musical, do like it. <laughs> yeah. I. It's just like really good. The songs are like really good. Like actually good. Sort of like pop pop songs and like the. People who are performing, like, you can tell that they're actually playing their instruments. Like, it's mm-hmm. not... It's, like, legit. Um, and it's, like, really great. I enjoyed every moment of watching. I think it's likely I'm going to watch it again. Like, that's how much I enjoyed it. Um I, anyway.
1: really, I appreciate the, the detail that, like, where they're singing the songs makes sense. Yeah. Because I think that that's where, like, I struggle with uh, shows that are musical. Because I'm like, why are you guys singing... In the grocery store, right <laughs> um, doesn't I'm having a hard time connecting. yeah it's um, not
0: it's not that like your people don't just yeah. like suddenly sing their feelings right there's like I'm a just, reason whenever there's a song.
2: I'm into it. I'm really into it. I'm just picturing a huge song and dance number in the middle of a, a shopping mall now <laughs> and it, I can't get it out of my head. That's twirling is, shopping carts and stuff oh,
0: that exists. That, I think it's oh, a crazy ex-girlfriend.
1: That. Oh yeah. That, that, ex- that is in a show.
0: Yeah, that exact that exact <laughs> moment happens in some But point. I have
1: something kind of crazy to tell you guys about flash mobs um, <gasps> that's going to blow your mind.
0: Whoa.
1: When we get out of quarantine, I hope that you realize that when you are in a public space that is playing music, you will be seeing people doing coordinated dances everywhere because of TikTok.
0: Do you really think so? Yes. That makes me nervous to go out.
1: Yes, you'll see... So. <laughs> I'll just You'll stay in it.
2: quarantine rather than uh, <laughs> confront that reality.
0: Um, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, that's it for Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff.
1: And of course, we want to give a shout out to Brad
2: Goodall, who composed our podcast, Awesome Music. Thank you, Brad. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, we would love a rate review. Five stars only, please. <laughs> and
0: that's all for today, folks. Everyone say bye. Bye. bye.